What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Demetrius Frazier. I'm back with another episode for the Resist Booksellers podcast. I'm excited, as always, to give you a little bit more on uh, this opening up a bookstore run that we're on. It has been very eventful, I think fun. Hopefully, it's been uh, informative as well. Today is the day you bring out the pen and paper. Today is the day that you write down a ton of notes. We've talked about some high level stuff. We've talked about some things to get you spiritually and mentally ready. We talked about getting yourself ready in the right mindset. We've talked about understanding your market. We've talked about picking the right business model. But today, today's where we start bringing all of that together. So get your notes out. We got some stuff to work through. I think this is going to be a good session and I wanted to make sure, make sure that you get everything you need today. So uh, without further ado, we're gonna get into it because we got a lot to cover and we only going for 30 minutes. So here's what we're gonna start. We're gonna start with the stuff that a lot of people already know, but it's really important to get it right. So we're not gonna skip over the high level stuff like a mission statement and vision statement because I still believe there are certain things that will drive your business decisions after you make the first one. So you already made the first one. I'm opening up a bookstore. You've already made the second one. I picked the business model and location. Maybe that's two or three, however you want to look at that. I've picked how I'm going to serve this market. But now that I've got all those decisions made, now I'm going into, all right, business needs to be formed. I need to get into uh, setting this up and making it successful. So let's start with the mission statement. Uh, and many of you, if you work in a corporation, small business, or you've started one on your own, especially if you started a nonprofit, you know what a mission statement is. But let's get over that uh, that hump there and make sure that everyone knows it. So a mission statement is one of those lines, usually it's one or two lines. It should be one or two lines. It's a very short message. And in that message, it's really about delivering your purpose uh, for the business and also to be a good driver for the business. Think about this way. Your mission statement is an actionable driver. When I put out my mission statement, my mission statement should really help me identify the key, uh, the key audience that I'm trying to deliver this to. It's going to very quickly summarize my goals. It's going to add how I'm going to do it. And all of that stuff is in two lines. Literally, it's the shortest thing that you will use on a day to day basis, right? Here's why it should be short. You should be able to memorize this thing. Now, sometimes you don't say it enough, especially after you've been in business for a while, but it shouldn't be something like, oh my God, let me go, let me go, let me go get the presentation because I have no idea what my mission statement is. It should be. Something that even if you change the word or two when you say it, it should be something that you can remember. So for me, our mission statement is the mission of Resist Booksellers is to help readers, activists, dreamers, and book clubs find inspiration, new ideas, new worlds, and a spark for change inclusively. Now, if you were to catch me on the street and ask me, what's the mission of Resist Booksellers? Man, listen. We, we, we help readers, activists, and dreamers find inspiration. We might say that, right? Cause that's a shorter version of what I just told you, but it also is still on mission. 
Now, why you want this mission? Why is it so important? If you're not going to say it and do it every day is because it it's your, it's your thing you go back to when you're making decisions about the next thing you want to do in your business. So if I was to say, I want to start a hookah lounge area in my bookstore. I could then say, one, is this something I really want to do? Is it going to drive any revenue? All those decisions, all those questions. But now let me go back and say, is this on mission? Is this something that's driving uh, change in my community? Is this something that's helping readers find new inspiration? Is it connecting people? I mean, even, even though that's not a word in my mission, all if I'm if I'm successful in doing the things that I'm doing, connecting people is a part of that. Is this hookah lounge area that I'm going to do? Is that doing that? Eh, you go, it's a very thin line there that you may say, oh, well, it helps them find inspiration. Maybe some new ideas because they're high. Maybe because they're chilling. I don't know. But that that would be how you would use the mission statement. And that should the mission statement should not be confused with the vision. The vision is more lofty. The vision doesn't really change much, right? Your vision statement should be one of those things that you say it and you don't really come back to it again. Um, and the reason why I say it that way is because it should be not, it should be unattainable in the short term. You should not be able to hit your vision today, tomorrow, next year. Your vision should be one of those things that you're always climbing. And in, in, in the um in the in the Baptist and Christian world, we're talking about we always trying to get closer to being like being like Christ, to being Christ like. And that's always a mission that's a vision that's always up there, but we never achieve it. But the thing is, because we're always trying to drive towards it, we're always going higher. Because the vision is so much higher than where we are today, a step in the right direction, diagonally up, is a step forward, and it's a step upward. So that's the good thing about a vision. Our vision, and and we might even change this, our vision when we initially set was to connect and elevate our world, right? We want to be that, that group, that enterprise, that work that brings people together. That's why we added the word inclusively in our language, because we're not saying this store not only sells black books, but we don't want to be even to cater to anybody other than black people. That's not what we want. What we want is to elevate black literature. We want to elevate and serve the readers in our community. But if you're not in the target market, if you would, of the audit of the book, so maybe black books are written for black people. We're not saying, oh, white guy, you can't come in. <laughs> that's, that's not what we want. We actually want people who are not of that culture to understand and read people outside of their own base. Why is that important? Because it's connecting. If, if a white person now gets a better understanding or better appreciation or more diverse reading spectrum, that's connecting people. They're going to understand the people that they're in community with. The community that we're serving right now is predominantly black. So if a white person now reads a book that we serve to our customers here in uh, Petersburg, Virginia, 
we're serving more black authors and they're reading more black books. Maybe they're, we're connecting that community because now they have a deeper appreciation of each other. Maybe that's what I, that's what our goal and our vision is. So now you got the vision and mission. I, I highly suggest that if you have a business partner, people that are on your side for this business, get together, talk about your mission and vision, workshop it, ask some people outside of your circle to kind of review it, see if you're on pace. But the mission statement should be short. The vision statement should be lofty. Got it? All right. So now we got those two pieces. There's a lot more that goes in the business plan, and I won't go into all the pieces. But let me give you a quick tool. In the past, when we wanted to create an actual business plan, we would go to someone who has a business template. We would go to uh, an HR person or somebody in business formation and they would help us through that. You ain't got to do all that. That's why I said, don't focus. Don't get so stressed out about the business plan. You literally can go right now. And I did that in preparation for this episode. Go into an AI service. I went into BARD, B-A-R-D. That's Google's version of, of ChatGBT, OpenAI's uh, project. And went into BARD and said, draft me a business plan for a bookstore, independent bookstore, in Petersburg, Virginia. It gave me the framework. It didn't give me all the details. It's not going to go in and give me the stats of my community. You did that. You already did that in episode, um, and yeah, in episode two, you already did that. So you have that information to bring. It gave me a spot for trends and, and, and financial items. So now I just need to go do that research. The actual business plan itself hasn't changed much. What goes in it has not changed much over the years. The data, the research you put in is what's important. So in this case, we started out, we understand our market, we got that. We got our business model, how we want to address the, um, the market we're going to serve. We got that. So now what are we going to do? We're going to take all that information and start populating our business plan. So yes, you can go to SCORE, write this one down, S-C-O-R, S-C-O-R.org. They can help you. There's some um, professionals there to help entrepreneurs. You want to do that. You also want to check out um, your local chamber of commerce. Check them out. They can give you some templates on uh, writing up a business plan. Again, this is just to get you the framework. You're going to start filling the information in. So one of the things that I did on my business plan at the, um, I went, I went through an entrepreneur, uh, program and they helped us out by getting us some thoughts around what we should have in our business plan, the pieces that should be in there. And all of this stuff was very, very helpful in helping us understand like, Hey, I'm building the business plan, but what should be in here? What, how deep should I go? All that good stuff. Right? So one of the things that was in the, the, the business plan template we had was called a business model canvas, business model canvas. And essentially once you're done doing this canvas, you're going to have a, almost like a one pager that summarizes all the stuff that you have been working on inside of your business plan. So in that business plan, you should also have stuff like, and write these pieces down when, when you, and you should write these pieces down. You should have the key partners in your business. 
So you said how you're going to address customers who are your key partners. So for a business store, you're going to have partners like publishers and their representatives. You're going to have, um, you may have like, uh, influencers, social media specialists, people that are in your area, depending on how you're going to market to your customer. You may have some local organizations, right? You want to have those in there. What are the things that you're going to do? And, and we have a section called key activities. So this is taking it and putting it in a more general sense. You're going to have high quality inventory. That's one of the things that you need to work on. So you got to work on getting that right. You want to work on logistics management if you're mostly an online business. Because what's the thing that's going to set you apart? It's probably not going to be price. Because Amazon can sell it for less than what we can pay for it. So then what is it that's going to make you good? What's it going to make you stand out versus the competition? It's probably logistics. Your fast service, your responsiveness to customers, all those things are really important. Maybe you got a great app. So that's your responsive platform. So what these are the key activities that you're going to be working on to support your business. Not the purchasing. That's pretty simple, right? The purchasing of books. We all get around the same discount. You're not going to go in there and negotiate 20% off more unless you got a lot of volume, things like that. You're going to have something called a value proposition. We're not going to have time to go into this, but this is when a customer comes to your business, what are the things that they can count on you having? So I always like to use somebody like a target um, or even, you know, I know they're not in great shape right now because of all the things they kind of stand for. But Starbucks, what are the things that you as a customer, whether you recognize that or say it out loud every time, what are you getting from that customer? I mean, that, that, that space. So with Target, you want a clean location. Everything is well organized and it's very consistent store to store. It may be good pricing. It may be diverse brands, right? So for a bookstore, you're typically operating on you know, high quality service, you're doing um, maybe a loyalty service. So stuff like that, all those things kind of go in that value proposition. So depending on what you plan to offer is what you'd put there. How are you going to have your relationships to your customers? How are you going to address them? So are you going to have a vending machine where they buy their stuff? So that's, that's a specific relationship you have with them. Are you going to work with them in the store? You know, and here, here's where it gets, you get to add a little flavor in my store. You don't self checkout, right? There's no self checkout line, but what if you're very innovative, you, uh, the person listening and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to disrupt that model. I'm going to take out this labor cost by making it where I'm going to use technology and make it where you can check out. Now I'll still have people in the store but I won't have an individual who's just working at the register. I'm taking that part out, but I'm now I want to focus in on the customer. I want to have conversations. I want to curate uh, a basket for them. You can't really do that as much when it's just one person in the store and you got to manage multiple customers. You got to clean, you got to, you know, get the mail, whatever, but you can, if you don't make it where you have a cashier, maybe that's something you do. But that would be part of your relationship. What channels are you going to use? For us, we use our website. 
our brick and mortar. And maybe we also do other platforms. So we also have a third party relationship with Libro FM. That's our audio bookstore. We also have a channel over at bookshop.org. That's our extension of digital, digital play. Maybe you have social media stores. You have a TikTok shop. You have a Facebook shop. You have Instagram. You have all these other places. That's also places you sell. Maybe you have a relationship with the coffee shop that you list books there and they can purchase them from there. But when they do, it's really a sale to you. Who knows? That's, that's another thing you can work on. Customer segments. Who are your segments? Do you have a government business? Do you have a B2B business? Do you have uh, individual shoppers in the retail store? Do you sell um, discounted books to book clubs? Things like that. All right. So we got that. Now we talk about your cost structure. What makes up your cost structure? So if you're online only, your your website is probably going to be a cost. Your where you warehouse the books is going to be a cost if you warehouse. Again, remember we said you got multiple angles to take here. And then last but not least, and I'm going through this pretty quickly, but I, I think this would be a great thing for people to look at is revenue streams. When If I was to break down your revenue, where is it coming from? So for us, it's product revenue. We do sell books in the store. We do have events and there's tickets for those. Sometimes we sell, you know, this, this we sell tickets to the events, that stuff. Um, maybe you're going to have a membership. So you have a, um, uh, a box that you sell and yes, there is products in there, but maybe there's some additional membership fees. Maybe you got something like Barnes and Noble or Barnes and Noble charges to be in the rewards program for the platinum version of it. Right? So there's, there could be other revenue sources. Maybe like us, we also have a event. I mean, uh, we have event space rental. People can come in, it's not our event, and they want to have a space to rent or a book signing or for some other networking event. You can have that kind of revenue. You could also have licensing. So maybe you have a special thing that you do. Maybe you have a trademark and you're licensing that out from your business. That's revenue. There's a whole bunch of other things that you could put there, but this is where you start to document it. And there's activities you can go through for each one of these. Now, when you do that, you now have a lot of pieces together. And then now when you go back to fill in the business plan, you got all those pieces in there. So what do we need? We need a mission statement, vision statement. We need how we're going to address the customer. And that business model canvas kind of fills in some of those pieces. We also need our market research. So this is where you got to dig in. Find out, you know, the data is the, the population growing. What's the median income? All that stuff we've worked on in episode two now comes here, right? So we won't get into all those pieces, but you need that information. You need industry trends. You need that information. Why do you need all this stuff in the business plan? Good question. You need all of this information, the information I'm talking about, mission statement, vision statement, trends, financial analysis, all of that. One, because it helps guide you, but two, it also helps when you're going out to get funding. So the next episode, we'll talk about how to get funded and how to get the money for the business. Grant opportunities will come up and you will have to submit a business plan. Loan opportunities will come up 
and you'll have to submit a business plan, especially when you get past the quote unquote new business phase. So right now we're crossing into two years. There are things that we weren't eligible before. We weren't eligible for because we were in business less than two years. Now that we're crossing two years, there are things that we are eligible for because they consider us a more stable business. Businesses fail in less than two years. So uh, a lot of businesses fail. So the fact that we've made it to two years is a sign of stability. It doesn't mean that we're going to last forever. It just it helps them kind of weed out uh, some of the early ones. So you'll get new business funding on one side and then you'll get the more stable, mature. And the more you get, the better you get, the more you get data on your business revenue over time, profitability over time, things like that. That's when you start getting more opportunities and they need to see your business plan. One other thing that's kind of, I think is really important to have in your business plan or at least to have in your pocket. So I worked through this again with the, um, the same uh, group. And I would, I would, I want you to think about this as well. This is harder to get if you're haven't opened your door yet, but it is something that you can work on now and then start to build for later. So this is not necessary. Hear me. It is not necessary to have in your first draft of the business plan, but it is important because as you're starting to build your marketing plans, you're starting to build, you know, your even how you merchandise the store the books that you may be focusing on, the sideline products, things like that. You need to have what we call a customer persona, P-E-R-S-O-N-A, customer persona. You need to have those models built. What a customer persona does is it says, you know, I'm taking my customers that I intend to do business with. So I intend to do business with the city of Petersburg and the surrounding counties and online marketplaces. But for the ones that I can identify, what, what are they like? Who are they? So with my bookstore, I can tell you that most of my customers are African-American. They're mostly black. Why? Because that's the stuff that I sell, but that doesn't, that doesn't help you to just stay at that level. Yes, that's important. I can now parse out the, the uh, population growth by that population. I can parse out the median income by that population. I can parse out customer trends and needs in that population. Great. But what else? What age group are they in? Why does that matter? Guess what 60 year old people do when they come into a bookstore? What they tend to do is they buy for their littles, whether it's a grandchild, or even the little children that they know in the community. So I have to know that about that customer set if that is one of my larger groups. So I'm only focusing on the groups that I can identify, but also the larger groups. So what if all of my customers are military? If I'm right next to a base, the population that I'm serving is mostly military or military families, or this is a strong military town. Think about that. How would they shop? How would they want to be marketed to? What kind of books would they want? Um, it may be still diverse as far as the book set, 
but how you market to them is different than if the way I would market to a regular civilian because they they don't have the same amount of time. They don't watch as much TV, maybe, right? You got to know that stuff about the customer. And what you would do is you would put that in the customer persona. What kind of expectation of service would they have based on them, their person? When I have mothers and fathers who come in with children, they need to have an inviting space where their kids, and this is, this is for my parents out there, your kids will come and touch stuff, right? So I shouldn't have a lot of glass ornaments inside of my store. I shouldn't have stuff that if it gets knocked over, now the parent has to have that face where they like embarrassed that the kids touched stuff and broke stuff. So what I do is I put the stuff low for the kids to see. I also have bean bags for them to sit in. But everything that's low that they, t- they can touch is either a book or something that can't break. Any of the other ornaments, the uh, picture frames that are, have glass in them, even my picture frames that are lower, they have that like, plastic shield on it. So it looks good, looks is visible for the picture behind it, but it's not, it's not breakable. I just, you gotta do stuff like that if that's in your customer set. You can't plan for everybody, but what you can do is think about your major sets and make sure you address them with the high quality, with the service, with the products that you want them to have. That's easy. So once you do that, you do the customer persona sheets, that will drive your decisions later. So think about it. If I was doing some promotion and I wanted to do some ads, if I know my customer persona in the markets, in the place that I am, that I'm in and I'm doing business, I now know where to go get them because I can say, okay, I'm going to, do some radio ads, which radio station meets my customer persona. So if it's black women, what, what radio station are black women listening to? Or maybe you say, uh, well, I don't listen to radio. Great. Now, because I know my customer persona, I won't do radio ads. If I know my customer persona, I can change the Facebook ad to target them because Facebook does have all that, you know, very uh, suspicious tracking information. <laughs> they, they know where all the black people are. They know where all the white people are. They know where white women who identify as a Protestant who love to crochet. They know where that is. So when I go to do those ads, I can now put that information in there. Sad, but true. That's the way it works. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Take these notes, get the work. Don't, don't don't rest on this. Don't let a, sp- a particular piece of information stop you from moving forward, but get it done. Because th- in this point, what we want to do is get this business plan drafted. Then you can get it reviewed by someone who can help you out. You should have good counsel. We'll talk about that in the next couple episodes. But what we want to do is get this thing done. Don't let this be a six month thing. It should not be six months. You've done some work already. Now you just put it together. So that's it. We get some more details when we get into financing. So don't let that section stop you. We'll get into how to open a bookstore. Don't worry about like where do I order books and all that stuff. We'll get to that. But get this business plan started. All right. That's it. 30 minutes. That's what we said. We're going to cut it here. And then what we'll do is we'll come back in the next episode and work on financing. 
All right, so that's it. Resist booksellers. This is our episode talking specifically about opening up a bookstore, writing that business plan. Get to work. See you later.